So we've got all this data, and what do we do with it? A lot of people talk about how important the data is in healthcare to make any kind of meaningful change within the system, whether it's serve patients better, drive down costs of the healthcare system. And healthcare providers, they want better insights from all this data that's captured. And healthcare systems want better efficiency and lower costs. AI and analytics, it all exists, but it's got to be implemented. It's got to be executed. People need to trust it. It needs to be used. But how do we actually go about extracting value from all this healthcare data? Well, I'm glad you asked because in this episode, we're going to explore that very question because at the Talking Health Tech Summer Summit in February, we hosted a panel session about this topic. And so you're going to hear the audio from that session today. Our virtual summits, we hold them every quarter for our THT Plus members. So check out our website, talkinghealthtech.com. You can check out some of the videos from some of the previous summits we've done. You can also see some information about our upcoming autumn summit, which is happening on the 12th of May. And you'll also see information about becoming a THT Plus member, whether it's for yourself as a solo or for a company. We've got options for both startups and scale-ups. But for now, I hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast, all about extracting value from healthcare data. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Birch, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With more healthcare data generated than ever before, how do we maximise the opportunities it presents and minimise the risks it creates? What other challenges are on the road to extracting value from healthcare data? Welcome to session six of the Talking Health Tech Summer Summit about extracting value from healthcare data. I'll be moderating a panel discussion with Andrew Aho, Regional Director, Data Platforms at Intersystems, the industry-leading vendor for database management, rapid application development, integration, and healthcare information systems. Professor Wendy Chapman, the Director of the Centre for Digital Transformation of Health, University of Melbourne where they imagine a future where the relationship between clinician and patient is guided by clinical data. And Bruno Braga, the Director of Data and Digital Solutions at MARTA, Network of Hospitals, Health Centres, Medical Research and Education. All righty, McGuire, thank you, Bruno and Wendy, for Andrew for joining this session today. How are we all? Good, thanks. Great. Good, good, excellent. Thanks so much for attending. And there's been a lot of interest in this session. There's been a lot of interest in all of the sessions, but this one too, and I think it ties in nicely to some of the conversations we've had up until this point. Uh, there'll be an opportunity for each speaker to kind of give some more perspective and context for themselves. But I wanted to jump straight in because Andrew, we, we recently did a podcast interview with you and we talked a little bit about this concept around utilizing data and how we do it effectively and the potential that it brings to reduce costs, improve patient outcomes. Let's start that conversation thinking around how do we take what's technically possible and practically implement it in a healthcare setting? What are some of the things you think about and work on with your clients on a day-to-day? Yeah, thanks, Pete. appreciate you having me here on the panel. Good to be here with Bruno and Wendy as well. Yeah, so to, to your question, I think definitely feel the same way as Nick on the prior session. There is a huge potential for technology. And we're just sort of standing here on the edge, starting to see some really great examples of 
analytics and AI doing exactly what you said, improving patient outcomes, driving down costs, and even you know our partner in 3M and, and Brian Mitchell on that prior session and the work his team is doing, you know, the fantastic examples of this, but actually taking what's possible and implementing it into a real healthcare setting is hugely challenging for really a lot of reasons. Uh, there's two that I thought worth mentioning. Obviously, we are dealing with lives and patient outcomes. So it's critical that the data and the technology and the decisions can be trusted. Getting all of your infrastructure, systems, applications, data, all lined up so that you understand the lineage of the data and you can verify its integrity. You know, this is an essential foundation and I know from working with Bruno, uh, he can talk about this at length in order to get to the kind of potential benefits that we talked about. You really do need a data strategy that encompasses, you know, the internal as well as the external environment. And, and I think these days it's really no longer acceptable to have systems that don't talk to each other. And I guess the second part of this issue stemming from the trust of the data and need for patient safety uh, is that a lot of healthcare initiatives take a very long time. Obviously they require the input of many different stakeholders across what are very complex issues. And I think that leads to a lot of frustration and very long programs. And, and I think what Malcolm Pratton said earlier really resonated with me is uh, within healthcare, we need to find ways to move fast and to not break things. So how do we do that? I guess one of the key things that I would, I would look at and we deal with our customers, hospitals, as well as health tech is on that key topic of interoperability. So being interoperable from the outset and just not making it any more difficult than it already is to be technically part of a healthcare ecosystem. And so if this means you need to adopt APIs, fire, or some deeper integration to be part of existing systems. And you really want to avoid that, missing that potential IT gate and not getting even into the project in the first place. If you do these things and you have a fully interoperable capability, then there's lots of downstream benefits, um, you know, reducing the cognitive load for clinicians, as has been talked about a lot this morning, Fitting right into the workflow uh, will help with better adoption of your technology or of your data initiative or whatever it might be. So that would be my advice, you know, start with interoperability so we can get in the door and reduce those technical challenges. Yeah. No, and that's a good start to this conversation. And I think, Wendy, I might go to you. If I, you know, it's important to have all the data speak to each other and that technical capability there. But I think someone mentioned at a previous summit that, healthcare moves at the speed of trust. So it's one thing to have all the insights from the data there and have it technically available. But if clinicians and end users and patients don't trust it, then it's not really going to go anywhere. Do, do you think that sounds about right? Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. And I think the trust manifests itself in several different places. The first is, you know, trust in the data itself. Is it accurate? Is it complete? Example of, you know, if they know that everybody always just selects the first thing on a drop-down list, and doesn't really choose you know, the right code in the EMR, then they're not gonna trust that value even if it is there. And then the, the second area, even if they know that the data are clean and representative of what they say they are, then you're gonna be running different algorithms on them, AI and machine learning, natural language processing. And do they really trust the output of that? Is it interpretable? When you have a deep learning algorithm and it's running on chest X-ray exam, for example, to see if the patient has COVID, 
is it really predicting the features in the chest x-ray that are indicative of COVID? Or is it looking at the font? This is an example that happened recently of the institution that had the highest proportion of positive cases. And so really being able to trust that what the machine learning is, says it's learning, it is learning. And then the third area is really what Katja mentioned in the previous session about the implementation, that it's tech within the context. How you implement you know, the presentation of that data to the clinician within the context of care, you know, it has to be actionable. It has to be not overwhelming, you know, the, the right amount of data. It has to fit into their workflow. And an example of where, you know, you might get all the pieces right and you think that people are going to embrace it. You want to create, say, population dashboards for general practitioners to look for patients at risk and really focus on them. But then there's no reimbursement model for general practitioners to look at that dashboard. And now they feel this risk that you're showing them this data. They aren't necessarily looking at it regularly. And are they at risk for missing something on their patient that they could have caught? And, and where's the legal issue in that? And so I think trust is multi-layered with data. That's such an interesting one too. And I don't know, you know, and I've heard so many different conversations around that point, you know, clinicians who say, I don't want to take on that risk. It, like the more, if I'm taking a photo of something and I miss something, then what happens then? And there's, I've heard varying conversations and degrees, and it's not something that I think we can resolve in this panel necessarily, but it brings up that point around trust. And I think that that's a really important one to work through. Bruno, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the, the work you're doing in relation to data strategy. Andrew mentioned at the start, that's a really important point around having a strategy around data. I'd love to learn a bit more about mm. what that looks like in a real world context. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, well, first of all, thanks for having me here. And uh, I feel humble. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, I just joined previously a little bit before uh, I started our session, but I was overwhelmed with the amount of content that's being shared and discussed. I guess, you know, just to roll back around that strategy, I think with the focus on where is we're trying to get out of the data that we're collecting and what's uh, obviously from a healthcare perspective, you're looking at the outcomes to, to the patients improving people's lives providing that impact back to the community that we serve. Being part of uh, the Mata Group, we are not-for-profit, and we have that as part of our mission to serve that community. I guess we need to link that pieces of the information that we collect and how we manage all the components that go into transforming all that information to insights and then to actionable things that bring difference to the work that the clinicians do and to the experience of the patients and impact them to whatever mechanisms we see it through. But I guess a, a big part of that for us, at least in the modern, is just trying to pick back on some of the conversations they're already having in the panel. It's hard to not kind of a double up what has been already discussed, just too much out there. And, and I can really see that we're very, very aligned. But I think a couple of things that come to mind is that we really talk about that, the hype of AI and all the things that will be coming very soon. It is a huge potential. We're very optimistic of it. And we're absolutely on the same journey. But for us to kind of uh, set the scene at that as a vision, we need to kind of step back to, okay, where is reality? Where are we sitting right now? And I think that's the kind of the core of the strategy has been, I guess, mindful of where you sit and how you evolve towards that. And obviously having that path direction, it's quite the key, but there's a lot of work to be done. And, uh, and I think, you know, it's just, especially in, in the world of where technology is, is leading towards, uh, we really need to be mindful of the entry parts of the data before it actually gets to the point where it's really useful for actionable insights, used for automation and predictions for machine learning and all that. 
that's the, the old conversation of garbage in, garbage out. So I think a big component of our strategy is that data creation aspect. Obviously, there are many lens to which you can tackle that. But one in particular I would like to mention around the collection, which is Wendy mentioned about the DEMR and all that. So I think that's actually a great example of the difficulty and the challenge that we face in healthcare in general is that adoption for digitization and increased literacy around understanding why you're actually even doing that in the first place. It's a very simple exercise that we ran is you just try to beat paper. How easy it is for me to actually add that information on paper. And if you cannot beat that with a digital systems in front of you, it's just like you're going to always face that resistance. But obviously, after the fact, you have a pile of 10,000 pages of paper and you say, okay, tell me now what's the average result here? <laughs> and then you're going to see where people get actually falling. Oh, now I, didn't, now I understand why I needed to actually do this in a certain way, because then it, you know, down the track, it will actually help my life. And I think that's making that connection will, I guess, uh, define and the path for, for that trust that when he was talking about. Yeah. It's almost like um, there's elements of just general health and fitness generally when it comes to data, you know, like as an individual, if you're not getting sleep and eating correctly, you'll be okay for a period of time, but then it catches up on you. And I think that without some of that, the rigor behind data collection and the respect around how it's collected, it can be difficult to make use of any of the data that's collected out of these systems. I just want to go back to you, Wendy, for a second there and building on that a little bit more, because I feel like that's a really important point around the role that clinicians play and how we kind of continue to, because like you say, if it's the first thing on the dropdown on an EMR, that's what we use. The main focus for them is the patient right now, not necessarily the data that they're tapping into an EMR. How do we kind of bridge that a little bit closer so that the value is there in collecting the data up front so it can be used? Yeah, I think that's like the million dollar question. How do you motivate the clinicians to enter the data in a way that's more useful to them? And I think one of the big barriers is that the data is not useful for them. It's mm -hmm. only useful if they go back and they browse, you know, something in the past, but it's not being fed to them. And so they aren't seeing the errors. And so if you start building these tools that now bring that data back to them to help support their care and they can see the flaws in it, they'll start to, I think, be more incentivized to make it accurate. Yeah. And Andrew, kind of building on that a little bit more, you know, it definitely feels like, and I know someone's mentioned this in the, the summit before, and we probably talked about it in your podcast episode, but we're not talking about a technology problem here. It's how do we help people harness and utilize the technology and bring people along for that journey, do you think? Yeah, look, I'd agree. It's not just a technology problem. Maybe just to go back a, a step, you know, you've got to have that trust first and foremost. If you, It's multi-layered as well, I think. You know, having that trust, if you if it's too hyped or if the there's too much over-promised, you'll break the trust with your clinicians and with your teams. Uh, and then also getting to that point where you've got trust in the data, as I spoke about before. You know, we have a we had a survey that was done in the US recently where it showed that 20% of healthcare providers don't trust their data. And I think uh, we're running a similar survey here with a research organization, we'll see a higher trust in data. But if we're starting off, I mean, even if that was 50%, uh, you're still talking about a, a real problem for getting started and getting people on that journey. So I think um, of a couple of things, you know, leadership to me, I get to work with some really amazing leaders and 
I think having a really strong growth mindset. You know, people like Bruno have this where I guess there's a, they appreciate there's a lot of change in the organization, lots of different perspectives, potential misunderstandings, and you've got to work through this continuously with this growth mindset that keeps people focused on the future and not just you know, today's challenges. Now, I think where I've seen that be you know, really effective as well as being clear on the hard and soft benefits the value that's going to be derived as a result of the new initiative or technology. And I think that helps people understand we're going from A to B and along the journey, you know, there'll be ups and downs. And when there's downs, how do we see the evidence of our progress and, you know, lift each other up? You know, how do we celebrate some milestones along the way? It's not just despair and, and bleak when things are tough, you know, we need to work through this and help people lift themselves up. And I'd like to think that, you know, another key aspect here is what vendors like Intersystems can bring to the table. We've got lots of people working on these sorts of projects every day of the week. Uh, we believe in partnership and trusting collaborative partnerships. Um, so we need to play our role to help our customers who are out there leading the charge with this growth mindset, doing a really difficult job. And, and we've got to be there to support them with our expertise and capabilities as well. Pat made a good point in the chat there off the back of something Wendy said is that, you know, understanding what's in it for the clinician is important for frontline teams. Often a clinician might dismiss any technology as a management tool as opposed to something that might help them. I assume Bruno at the Mater and generally that front of mind when you guys are implementing things. If if I may may expand on this, and absolutely, I was really, really in the back of my mind to just kind of a flash and Pat just put it out there. So it's fantastic. I think that's why I see that the brilliance of us having those conversations is so really, really on the same page. It is really important to bring that value up front to straight to their hands. And within my journey of, I guess, at least conveying and, and articulating the strategy back to our executive and leadership. I remember where my starting point was when we were having discussions about this report tells me one FTE and the other report tells me another FTE. That's where the mentality was. And after a period of time, when we start flushing out what the vision and the path was towards where we wanted to go. And, and that links to how do we really get that information in a way that's really useful rather than a bunch of reports that you need to go through and navigate yourself, which looks more of that managerial kind of activity where I got the leadership talking to me back, which was a fantastic achievement. I would say that I don't want to see any reports. I don't want to see any data. I want to be in the Bahamas having a cocktail and then think a, a notification will come to my phone. So telling me that I have to take some action and I'll go and, and act accordingly. At least the idea is sinking in, which is exactly that. And and obviously the devil's in the details, how we implement such things. And that's where the likes of Andrew can talk more about this, but in the interpretability space where for us to be able to really drive that, you know, all the transformations and the insights back to where the, the individual is actually collecting the data or, or using the data in a real time context. I think that context of integration and connecting all the dots and making sure that the right information gets to the right person at the right time is quite critical. The point around the right information at the right time to the right people comes up quite a fair bit and that's often an important one. Wendy, for anyone that might be thinking about communicating some of these benefits and the what's in it for me and all those types of things, what are some of the things that you've seen are like a good outcome of getting some of this right in terms of the power that data has and the potential in terms of healthcare? delivery and let's say we nail this what happens yeah 
Oh, great question. So I, I moved here two years ago from Utah in the U.S. And at the University of Utah, we had a team that called Reimagine EHR. And it was based on the premise, imagine it was a joy to interact with your EHR. Well, we can help you using FIRE, you know, build these types of interventions and decision support tools that can, you know, really support you in your work. And so Ken Kawamoto led this initiative and he said he received the only standing ovation he's ever received when he presented what they had developed together with the clinical group to all of them. And they just loved it. So, but what it did, it was to support treatment of, you know, newborns who had jaundice. And so uh, it pulled information from the mother's record and from the baby's record and put that all on the screen in one place. It showed the trajectory of the baby from the time the baby was born until where they are now and any treatments like phototherapy that had been done along the way. And it also pulled in the guidelines and there were multiple guidelines about how to treat, you know, if, if this values that and that values this, then you should do this. And so it showed visually what the guidelines would recommend and then it made it actionable so that you could click and order this or prescribe this or, so it was all in one place and it cut down the time they needed it pulled all the data together and really supported them in making decisions and doing things. Utopia. But, um, yeah, and that was a fire-based tool. It was built to work in Cerner, adopted and, you know, tweaked and added to, to work, you know, using it, but it has, it's fire-based. And so then they used it in Epic and it's available for other people to use too, if, if they have the fire capability. Yeah. I guess that speaks to the interoperability point as well, Andrew. It's one thing for having something like this in isolation, but if it's not, scalable into other areas, it's it's a little bit of a, a flash in the pan. Yeah, absolutely. And I think interoperability in and of itself can actually be a huge part of the solution to get benefits. You know, I'm thinking of a, an Australian organisation called RxMX who use the InterSystems Iris for Health platform. They're in the area of complex and comprehensive medications. Um, and so really what they're doing is connecting up information and data between pharma, the labs, GPs, specialists, and the patient. They use a combination of integration apps and smart SMS alerts uh, to try and avoid these very expensive medications from being prescribed in the wrong way to the wrong people to make sure that they're adhered to and keeping you know, all of those different people in the care cycle involved all through the way. So if you think about that, you know, very, very expensive medications, if we can prescribe them better, if they, they're adhered to, quite often the efficacy can improve and the cost can come down and they can be made more widely available. So in that example, interoperability is really the core to their solution. Yeah. There's some good conversations happening in the chat around engaging clinicians and having tools that are more helpful than distracting. And it's great to see Richard as well. I can tell he's a GP by the way he types, but uh, we can see, sorry, I was going to make an NLP joke, but let's not. But importantly, he raises, you know, again, it comes back to sometimes on the frontline conversation around the funding. And there's a lot, especially in the primary care side of things, a lot of expectations put on the getting things right up front when you've still got a patient there in front of you. So I'm sure we could continue that conversation further, but just conscious of time, we've got three minutes left, maybe to give each panelist a minute to kind of close out. We've been speaking about extracting value from healthcare data. Isn't it good then, Richard, that we've got you typing instead of writing? So thank you. But in terms of this conversation in particular about extracting value from healthcare data, we'll go around the room. Wendy, any final thoughts or a closing comment? Then we'll go Bruno, then Andrew. Yeah, I think that we aren't involving patients enough in this. 
We're not collecting data from them that's important for decision making. We're not integrating their information into our record, and we're not necessarily measuring the outcomes that they care about. And so I think there's a lot of work to be done on how to do that. And we can look abroad for people who've started experimenting with that. Mm, love it. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. Second, everything that you said, I think yeah, the two things, we don't collect enough information. We don't collect the right information. And obviously with the growth of machine data, devices and wearables and vital signs and all that, it's an interesting space for us to further develop and have more, I guess, detailed information that will allow us to build more intelligence over it. But still, there's much more to address. And I think just to tag on what we want to get to the end and really be real actionable insights and then predictive in the AI space, what we really struggle with is, is actually having enough data to actually do that. So when we, for example, a bunch of experiments that we run at Mata, we, we fail to actually deliver from a perspective of really delivering the value back to the clinician because at the organizational level, we have enough data to show with a precision 99% accuracy of what's going to happen from test data to a training data. But when we need to talk about what's happening in my ward or in my specialty, we just don't have enough data. So without the broader collaboration across the board and a systemic level, I think we will we'll struggle to do this as any big type of exercise. So I think uh, it's a call out for us to kind of join forces and get somewhere together. Collaboration is key. And Andrew, bring us home. Yeah, look, I think those comments there are spot on. Um, definitely a combination of more insights from the patients. And, and I think, Bruno, you're, you're, um, you're spot on as well. I mean, the, all the people who have joined this session today are passionate about what we can do in healthcare and with technology. So, you know, let's all work together. Let's find better ways to collaborate and bring these fantastic solutions to serve patients and clinicians as fast as we can and as well as we can. Amazing. Well, we've got a good turnout live today and no doubt many will be watching the recordings after. Uh, I encourage all the speakers to jump into the chat after this. We've got the lunch break now, but uh, we'll no doubt continue these conversations in the chat. Bruno, Andrew and Wendy, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for listening to the show. Check out TalkingHealthTech.com to connect with other people in our community and to learn more about the Australian health tech industry. Also, make sure you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss an episode and share this episode with a few people who need to hear it. Now go make it happen.